Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Still Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. 11 days now until the May 15th primaries, so we're going to be all about politics here for the next uh, 20 or so minutes. We spent last week talking about the governor's race. We're going to do a similar deep dive into the superintendent's race. A lot to get to from the past week in that race, and, and really begins late last week with the debate Friday night on public television between Sherry Ibarra and Jeff Dillon. You were on the panel, so you were there uh, witnessing firsthand. You were there uh, close by the candidates, seeing how this whole thing unfolded. Give us a sense of what you saw and what you took away from the debate. I thought it was a really good debate. I thought that I was looking forward to this debate. I think a lot of people were looking forward to this debate. Keep in mind, it was the Republican uh, state superintendent's debate, so it has the two candidates that will be in the Republican primary on May 15th. That's incumbent superintendent of public instruction, Sherry Ibarra, and her challenger, uh, Wilder Superintendent Jeff Dillon, also running as a Republican. And this was the first time this year that we had seen the two of them uh, on the same stage together. And right off the bat, I thought the first 30 minutes were really, really interesting. Uh, I thought it was a good debate. Both candidates mixed it up. We talked about accountability. We talked about leadership. We talked about graduation rates. We talked about metrics and what it means to be a leader. And so right out of the gate, I thought it was a good debate. And there's a couple of things that I want to talk to about that just sort of stood out to me. And then we'll okay. sort of break down the policy positions. But the first thing, and, and this goes into a larger point that I'll make here in a second, I don't think they caught it on the feed, but Superintendent Ibarra showed up and she was loose and she was ready to go. Um, there's always like this awkward five-minute period at the beginning of debates where the lights are on and the cameras are going and everybody's waiting, but you've got five minutes until it goes live. And normally that's like the longest five minutes in the history of the yeah. world. Superintendent Ibarra was loose and ready. She was singing... Europe's final countdown as we were doing like our mic checks and getting ready okay. to go live. And so right okay, then... That, that's random. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because now I'm thinking when we did the Republican gubernatorial debate and it was time for mic check, Tommy Alquist started reciting the beginning <laughs> to Prince's Let's Go Crazy. So, okay. So... I didn't know that. It was 80s night there for the governor's candidates as well. But the final countdown uh, in Sharia Bar, that's not something I would have put together. But anyway. And so I had two big takeaways. One takeaway was that I thought Ybarra was poised and professional and and ready to go. Uh, The panelist, I was joined by Frankie Barnhill of Boise State Public Radio, Seth O'Gilvie of Idaho Reports, Melissa Davlin of Idaho Reports was the moderator. And we set out to ask tough questions, to, to minimize the softballs and really ask them about what's going on. And so the first thing I was impressed with, Sherry Ybarra was ready to go, was poised, did not falter uh, under tough questions. That was the first thing. The second thing I noticed was that Jeff Dillon went on the offensive, and, and he needed to do that, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like. And so uh, he mixed it up a little bit. He challenged her. He asked for rebuttals. He specifically pushed back uh, about the high school graduation rate. There's this whole issue, and we've been sort of talking about it off and on for about a month now, uh, maybe a little bit longer. The high school graduation rate for the state crept up between 2016-2017 by 0.01%, right. which you did the math 
estimated it's about two students yeah. statewide. Uh, Ybarra has said we're moving a smidge and a smooch, and the graduation rate uh, is going up. But she hasn't really talked about how it was flat. And Jeff Dillon seized upon that, and he said that's not acceptable. We have thousands of students that did not graduate. 4,600 was the number that he cited, as I recall. And, yeah, yeah, I thought that was an effective pushback from him uh, in this debate. And like you said, and I agree, I think it was a debate where Dillon had to differentiate himself. He had to try to lay out a vision for education and a case for a change in the superintendent's spot. I mean, you're going against an incumbent. The onus is on the challenger right. to make a case for change. And I thought he tried to uh, poke some holes in uh, Sherry Ibarra's narrative uh, about her term in office. And I thought on the, the grad rates, I thought he uh, scored a few points. And this was a, a, a good debate. A, a lot of times we'll see debates, especially within the same party, where folks will agree with one another and say, oh, I respect my opponent and I think the same thing. They mixed it up, and you talked about Jeff Dillon scoring some points on graduation rates. Superintendent Ibarra came right back and scored points herself because she asked about a reporting glitch, a reporting error within the Wilder High School graduation rates. Um, numbers that are all over the place. Numbers that are all over the place, either 68.9%. Mm-hmm. Well below at, the state average. If you look at the official state numbers, uh, but Jeff Dillon talks about a glitch, talking about a new principle that entered the numbers and said it is actually more like 93%. Uh, Ybarra held his feet to the fire on that one. And so we did see the candidates mix it up. And and that's what I wanted because we had serious discussions about graduation rates, about life after high school, about our priorities. We talked about mastery-based education. But I thought the first 30, 40 minutes were strong. I thought the candidates mixed it up. Uh, they went back and forth. They had rebuttals. Uh, they questioned each other. I, I thought that was good politics. No, I thought I, that was a good debate. It, it was a good debate, and you can still watch it. Uh, it's on demand um, at Idaho Public Television. You can also catch it on our Facebook page. I believe we still have the feed available there. Either way, if you're undecided, if you're at all on the fence on, on this race, it's a good debate to watch. It's a good overview. Um, you had where, a good where I thought, yeah. and, I, and I have a breakout story looking at what sort of jumped out at me watching the debate and, and writing about the debate. Talking about Dylan, uh, a couple of areas where I thought uh, he was, was vague, uh, he talked about some, some goals that he has but didn't really lay out how to get there. On the graduation rates, he talked about getting to 90%, which is very high. I mean, that would be one of the highest rates in the nation were we to get there, but no real explanation about how to get there from 79% to 90%. is a big push. How do you get there? Uh, he talked about mastery and trying to get uh, mastery education going on in 20% of the schools uh, across the state within the next four years, but no real explanation about how to get there. On pre-K, uh, he seemed to kind of talk about a need to do something in terms of pre-K, but when it comes to state funding, he talked about an appropriation that's appropriate. Very vague um, kind of non-answer about, well, what's the state's role in funding this? So while I think uh, Dylan scored some points, I think there were some areas where uh, he he didn't go into as much detail as uh, viewers might have been hoping to hear. But again, I mean, it's been such a strange race that as I watched it, my my personal takeaway was I thought this was the kind of campaign that I was kind of waiting to see. When would Jeff Dillon wage a serious and assertive campaign against Sherry Ibarra? I mean, he's been very quiet, um, not a lot of uh, 
you know, action in terms of this race. I don't think we've ever seen a Jeff Dillon press release. I don't think we've seen much of a social media presence. A lot of opportunities for him to uh, carve out a difference between his vision and Ibarra's. It never really happened until Friday night in the debate. So I thought it was an interesting debate. Again, it's out there, uh, available for, for you all to watch. Uh, it's worth catching up on if you haven't already seen it. Yeah, uh, and you did a good article. It was published on Saturday morning, but you talked about six key takeaways from the superintendent's debate. Uh, that's where we got into mastery, pre-K. The pre-K issue is a little bit interesting. Uh, Jeff Dillon has said that we need early childhood. He said he sort of argued in favor of local control. He said it isn't going to look the same from one community to the next. He gave that vague answer about the appropriation that's appropriate. And meanwhile, Superintendent Ibarra is moving forward with her plan to have a free learning app called Smarty Ants that would be available to parents. Um, some people have criticized that as saying, you know, that's not a substitute for a quality uh, pre-kindergarten or early learning program. Uh, you know, more screen time is not the answer. And, and what does this do for the students whose families struggle with poverty or don't have an internet connection or a smartphone or, or a computer? So some, some back and forth on that. But I thought it was a good debate. I, I thought uh, Jeff Dillon took the fight to Superintendent Ibarra a little bit. I didn't see any real blunders where anybody lost it in this debate. And in fact, I think both candidates probably have to feel pretty good about their performance last Friday. Same thing with their supporters. If you went into this thinking that uh, you wanted four more years with Superintendent Ibarra and, and that she's your choice, probably felt pretty good about her debate performance on Friday. On the other hand, if you like Jeff Dillon and you think that a change of leadership is in order, you probably thought like Jeff Dillon uh, came out for the first time and, and put his stamp on this race. Mm -hmm. And so I think that both candidates can feel proud about how they did. Nobody blew it. No embarrassing uh, moments or anything like that that would be talked about. Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty good debate. I do want to point out we're talking about the Republican debate because organizers of the Idaho debates, and we've mentioned this before, canceled the Democratic debate. Uh, Democrats do have a choice in the May 15th primary as well. Alan Humble, a Boise retiree, retired hospital surveyor, is running against Cindy Wilson. She's a uh, government and politics teacher from Capitol High School. Organizers canceled that debate because Alan Humble uh, did not prove or could not prove that he was running an active campaign in line with the debate guidelines. So we've known for probably a month or more that that was going to be, be canceled. No Democratic debate. But when we did a forum with uh, the superintendent candidates back in April, we did have uh, Wilson and Humble and Jeff Dillon on the same stage. So if you're undecided on the Democratic side and planning to vote in that primary, or if you want to get a little bit more of a sense of where Jeff Dillon is coming from, uh, Watch that forum. It's still available uh, yep. uh, on our site, so you can uh, check that out and get caught up there. And, and if you are interested in the Democratic candidates, this was a good week to be following Idaho Education News because really say, you had you had profiles of all four candidates, and I did want to get there and you know talk a little bit about what what jumped out at you as you wrote these four profiles. Maybe uh, maybe that's a place where we could go here and, and start. You had a chance to sit down and talk to all four of these candidates, talk to some folks who know the candidates pretty well. What, what jumped out at you about all four of them? Let's start with the Democrats, because we've been paying attention to the Republicans for the first half of this podcast. So let's talk about 
Cindy Wilson and Alan Humble. And if you would have liked to see them debate, maybe check out our homepage and check out the candidate profiles of Alan Humble and, and, and Cindy Wilson. Uh, about Alan Humble, um, he got into the race because he was sort of frustrated with how education was going in the state of Idaho. Uh, the supplemental levies issue, mm-hmm. more than 90-some school districts have passed supplemental voter-approved levies. He said that's a classic example that we have unequalized funding in the state of Idaho. He's pushing for pre-K. He says that we needed pre-K yesterday. We needed it last year, and we certainly need it during the upcoming school year ahead. So he has several different proposals that he's pushing, but sort of along the lines with what the organizers of the Idaho debates found, I found that Allen was not running the most active or the most transparent campaign. There was, Allen did come in and sit down for a lengthy interview in our office to talk about his history and his priorities in the race, but I asked him a fairly basic question that I've asked all candidates in the race, and I thought it was especially important to ask Allen for references who could speak to his professional experience and his leadership qualities and his work history. I ask that because he has no track record in education. He's a retiree, and he's newer to Idaho. He's he's lived here for several years now, but not an established person. Alan declined uh, to provide those references, and that sort of shocked me. And he called me up and told me he wasn't going to do it, and we had this back and forth where I said, Alan, surely there are people in your life who you can put me in touch with that can speak to your professional experience, your leadership qualities, what kind of person you are to work with. And he said, Clark, this is not a job interview. And, and I disagreed with him. I think in the strongest possible terms, this is a job interview. And that voters, job voters at the polls on May 15th uh, will name the nominee for the Democrats and name the nominee for the Republicans. And so I think he's mistaken that this absolutely is a job interview. Uh, but and, if you, and it's especially important maybe when you've got a candidate like Humble who is kind of uh, who, who is the unknown of the four. I mean, when we're talking about Sherry, Sherry Ibarra or Jeff Dillon or Cindy Wilson, we're talking about candidates who have a track record in Idaho. It's fairly simple and straightforward for a reporter to call somebody up and ask about Ibarra or, or Dylan or Wilson. I mean, there's a, there's a trail and there are folks that, you know, you can, you can track down and, and talk to. And that's standard fare in doing a, a personality profile of a candidate is you want to talk to other people about that candidate. So uh, that, that did kind of, kind of jump out. And full disclosure, every other candidate in the race, Jeff Dillon, Cindy Wilson, Superintendent Ibarra, Gladly and without question provided references, and I was able to to speak with those individuals. Uh, the next profile I want to talk about, because we've barely talked about her, is Cindy Wilson. Cindy Wilson. I God. spent most of a morning uh, last month in April at Capitol High School with her, and I watched her teach two to three sections of class. She teaches AP government um, and, and, and politics. And so that was the first time I had really gotten to know her as a candidate. But she has several top priorities that she identified with me. She wants to increase literacy rates by third grade, and that's a big topic that we've followed closely. The legislature has debated this. They've invested more money in this. But we've seen numbers, um, thousands and thousands and thousands of Idaho school children showing up at the beginning of the school year, not reading at grade level. Um, Cindy actually has an interesting perspective. She serves on, she was appointed by Republican Governor Butch Otter to serve on the Department of Correction, and she talked about, and we've heard this before, but corrections officials basically projecting out the number of beds and the size of facilities they will need based on 
literacy rates. And so she says it's an important issue. She wants to invest in preschool and early childhood learning. And, and Cindy Wilson, as a teacher, not surprisingly, is concerned about teacher retention and recruitment, and she wants to focus on more competitive salaries, especially salaries for those educators who are established, who've been in the system a couple of years. Those are folks that are sort of feeling maybe a little bit left behind by the career ladder, which is Idaho's five-year plan uh, to fund teacher salaries and, and, and make more of an improvement with retention and recruitment. And so those are some of the areas um, that Cindy talked to me about. One thing, I was just impressed watching her interact with her students and the way that she engaged with them. She said she wants to bring, figure out a way to bring more of a student voice uh, mm -hmm. to the State Department of Education. Maybe have them sit on some of these task forces and some of these committees uh, that help decide policy before the recommendations get to the state board or the legislature, sort of at the grassroots level. And she talked about bringing more of a, a student voice uh, in there. And she realized that uh, um, that it would be hard uh, to work with a likely Republican-controlled legislature and mm -hmm. perhaps another Republican governor. Uh, she knows that that would be difficult, but she says she's uh, familiar with, with politics and the Constitution and that she brings people together. Uh, and so you can check out those two Democratic profiles. I also had profiles of the Republicans, Jeff Dillon and Superintendent Sherry Ybarra. We've talked a lot about them, uh, but just a couple of things that I want to point out on the Republican race. We talked a little bit about Jeff Dillon's answers may have been somewhat vague when he talked about his goals in the debate. And we talked a little bit more about that during our interview. I went out to Wilder, spent a morning with him, uh, in the Wilder School District, he basically is talking about how he wants to sort of reform the task force from right. 2013. He says we need a viable five- or ten-year plan for education. And, and the timing sort of lines up. If the task force from 2013 was a five-year plan, we're coming into year five right now. And so he says we need to get everybody together, educators, community le leaders, parents, students, the business community, and come up with a new plan for education that will guide us for five to ten years in the future. Um, Jeff Dillon's big on data. Uh, mm -hmm. It's something that he's used in the Wilder School District as they've embraced mastery-based education. They also sort of alternately refer to it as personalized learning. But he's big on data and building consensus uh, in, in a, in a short-term and a medium-range plan for the state of Idaho. So if you want to find out a little bit more uh, about him, those are some the, of the things that he pushed for. The thing that jumped out at me, and I learned about all four of these candidates as I edited these, these profiles this week, but the thing that jumped out at me about Dylan that really surprised me was when you talked to Rob Winslow, the executive yeah. director of the uh, Idaho Association of School Administrators, and Winslow talked about how Dylan has had published a national piece, and it doesn't in, in a in a journal, an, an educator's journal, administrator's journal, and didn't even kind of mention that. Didn't talk about that. Doesn't you know? Doesn't bring that up. And it was an interesting window into Dylan's personality that maybe I hadn't uh, hadn't thought of. Uh, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast so many times, and, and did it a few minutes ago today about how this has been such a quiet campaign, a low-key campaign. And, and maybe that's part of his personality. And I'm not saying that's a... I, I'm not casting judgment on that one way or the other. It just, it put a piece together. as like, okay, maybe this is something in his personality. He's not a person who likes to go out of his way to talk about himself or what he's doing or what, what he wants to 
to pursue or, or, or that. that that's you know something we tend to expect from politicians maybe that's just not something that's uh, much in his personality so that jumped out at me that was an interesting uh, vignette uh, insight into him into I'm glad you keyed in on that I think there were really two I'm glad I called Rob Winslow I think there were two things he said talking about the national exposure he, he said maybe Jeff Dillon uh, doesn't toot his own horn as much as he could is, is something that Rob said there was a second thing Rob said that when we talk about ISA and its leadership and legislative committees he said a lot of the times they have to recruit people they have to go out and ask people to get involved he said Jeff Dillon came to him and proactively wanted to take this on himself and became chairman of IASA's legislative committee. And so he said, Jeff already has a relationship with policymakers, with other superintendents, and especially with Idaho legislators because of this work that he's done with the IASA. And he said that was unusual because a lot of times we have to recruit people. We have to ask people. We have to call in a favor. Jeff came to us and quietly got to work is sort of what Rob said. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought that that was interesting. And it did sort of suggest that maybe uh, maybe he's not as good of a campaigner as he is an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that was interesting. I do want to switch gears, though. To Sherry Ibarra. And talk I mean, about you, Sherry Ibarra. You profile Sherry Ibarra, somebody we have interviewed and covered for more than four years. What did you learn about Sherry Ibarra in this story that you didn't know? I learned... A ton about her, and I, I, I would guess not to brag here, but because of my job, I would guess that I have spent as much time with Superintendent Ibarra as any other reporter. And as, you've probably had more sit-down interviews with Sherry Ibarra than any reporter in the state, and, and, and just a lot of other people. Period. I felt like she opened up to me. I spent a day with her when she did her post-legislative tour in Boise, Idaho. Uh, earlier in April, she told me about her personal life. She told me about growing up in West Virginia, literally the daughter of a coal miner. A coal miner's daughter. You know, who said... But, but really opened up about her childhood and about uh, education and how she kind of embraced education at a young age. Yeah. She talked about how her dad was a coal miner and he told his his family and, 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 and Superintendent Ibarra and her sisters that he only had a high school degree uh, that being a coal miner was a tough, difficult way to pay the bills, and that he wanted more for his daughters and his family. And and Superintendent Ibarra, she sort of talked about how she took that to heart, and, and she basically never stopped going to school. She was actually the first person in her family to graduate from college. And she talked about how proud that made her mom and dad. And, we t- and I didn't really put this in the article, but she talked about her mom and dad are still with us. They're still alive. They... I believe they live back in West Virginia, but she talked about how proud they were when she was elected four years ago. The superintendent has never opened up to me about the importance of education in her life, about the role that her father played in saying, if you want a better life, education is the key uh, to unlocking your future. She had never opened up, and I was so glad that she did. She also talked about why the bullying initiative is so important to her and why she keeps pushing that and keeps pushing it forward. And it's because she experienced that uh, when she was in school and she remembers that. And I think she has an opportunity to be a leader here and she is a leader here on this issue because she can show how difficult it was, how much it hurts, how much it sucks, but how she stayed focused. She got her education. And regardless of what happens Going forward, she is a leader. She 
got her dream job of being an educator. She talked about dreaming about being a teacher since she was in second grade because of her teacher, Mrs. Gatz, and how that inspired her. Uh, she became a principal and now superintendent for the state of Idaho. And so I think she really has a powerful platform to work with on the bullying, and she's marrying the bullying and student safety issues right. together. Yes. I think she can make a lot of difference in, in, in those areas. But that was what impressed me most. I feel like I spent a lot of time with her, as much perhaps as anybody. And she opened up in a way that I had not seen before. And, and I think that shows a lot about who she is, about who she was growing up, about who she is today, and the values and the goals that she had and how she was able to realize those. And, and it puts a lot of the pieces together, the bullying aspect and the student safety issue, which, you know, we've written about it before. It's an initiative that she isn't pushing really this year because the the budget cycle won't come around until next year. Right. Um, this is something that she launched or announced really towards the end of the legislative session, uh, past the budgeting process. But you can start to see how why bullying has been a key issue for her in, in this term and why school safety would be a key uh, centerpiece issue for her should she get reelected. So I thought that, I thought all four pieces were, were illustrative and they kind of set the stage for the, the sprint here to May 15th and you know the, the coverage that will, will unfold in the next few days. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was fortunate that each of the four candidates in the race opened up to me, spent time with me, um, talked about the issues in a very serious, straightforward manner. I was happy with how it went. Obviously, we're reporting on the race. We won't be endorsing, and we've never endorsed before. Right, and right. so that's, that's not new. Um, but we will be continuing to cover the race uh, over these next 11 days as we get closer to the primary. One thing I'm going to be working on is I have some candidate questionnaires from the superintendent right. race. I have all four of them now, and so we'll run those early next week, maybe as soon as Monday, but maybe more like Tuesday, but just a chance to get one more look at the candidates in their own words. This is going to be fun for me because these are questions that Idaho Education News readers came up with on their own, from and the I forward forum. those. Some of them from the forum. From the forum we April. did back in April. And so I was excited to put those questions to the candidates. And so look for that in the first half of next week. I know you're going to be continuing to follow the governors and congressional races and some of the Campaign finance reports that right, trickle in. Right, right. And that's going to be my big job the first part of next week. Well, it's already started. Some of the Sunshine reports have been filed. The deadline is coming up early next week. It's a week before the election. Uh, like I say, some of the, the paperwork has already been filed. Alan Humble has filed his Sunshine report. Not a lot of money there. And he's basically self-financing his campaign through, uh, largely through a loan that he's yep. making to his campaign. Uh Sherry Ibarra has not filed her full Sunshine report, so I don't know exactly how much money she's raised. Her name does come up on a couple of uh, PAC reports that have been filed. Uh, a loggers group uh, contributed $3,500 to her campaign. A group called Winning for Idaho, uh, which I believe, and I'm still kind of tracking down uh, more about this PAC, but I think they're involved more in, in gaming issues, ha has contributed $1,000 to the Ibarra campaign. So we're starting to see some money come into a race where there really hasn't been a lot of money. A work in progress. This is something I'll be watching very closely in the superintendent's race and the governor's race. Those big reports are going to uh, to surface the first part of next week. We wanted to dive into the superintendent's race, so we spent the whole uh, podcast talking about that, but by no means is that all that we've got in the way of news this week. 
We have the latest news on the New Plymouth uh, superintendent buyout. Oh, my goodness, yes. We've been able to track down where that money came from, that $400,000 donation uh, to encourage Kevin Barker to step down as superintendent. We have that story. We had it first. Check that out. Uh, We also have uh, some ongoing coverage of all of these campaigns, all of these elections, and, and much, much more at idahoednews.org. Yeah, I want to I want to give our listeners one website to, to take a look at between now and the May fifteenth primary, and that's idahovotes.gov. That's a site maintained by the state of Idaho. But really quickly, you can go to that site and double check to see if you're registered to vote, and double check where your polling place is going to yep. be. Uh, so that's a good website to keep in mind. I also want to share a little bit of news this week. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Extra Credit Podcast. Last week, Kevin and I unexpectedly won an award for the podcast from the Idaho Press Club. We won, I believe it was second place in the podcast division. It just blew us away. I wasn't expecting that at all. We started this to sort of have fun, but to also present the news in a different way. Maybe if you didn't have time uh, to read six or seven 300-word articles each week. Maybe you could spend 20 minutes with us on Friday or Saturday. While you're you're driving around running errands. And catch up. And so we take it seriously, but we also try to have fun with it. But it just blew us away. And and so thank you guys so much uh, for listening each and every week. Or if this is your first week with Extra Credit, thank you so much for finding us and checking us out. We will be back next Friday uh, with a big election preview. Um, The the last hurrah before the election, we'll we'll give you uh, the latest of what's happened on the election front and anything else that's been happening. Yeah, so come back and join us next Friday. It'll be a lot of fun. And then the Friday after that, we will recap all the results from the big May 15th primary. But I think that covers everything I wanted to get to this week. Thank you so much. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. 